0: Oh hey yo, oh, Sopranos podcast fans! It is season four, episode five. Betting terminology. Each of us is alone in the fucking universe. That's a quote from Junior Soprano. In this episode, season four, episode five of The Sopranos, entitled "Pie Oh My," written by Robin Green and Mitchell Burgess, and directed by Henry Bronstein. Pie oh my. I thought of right away, though the placement is a little bit different. I thought when I watched this a little bit of the telltale Muterelle in mm-hmm. season three, in that this is not an episode that is outwardly very explosive or climactic, but it does a lot of interesting things in the way of setting some good story up and moving our characters in the direction that they need to be moving. And I also found it very the the particular stuff they're doing. Very interesting. I like this episode. It's not perhaps as tense an hour as the wait, but a good hour of the Sopranos. I left feeling satisfied. I was a little bit overwhelmed. If whelmed is kind of, I was whelmed is, is the norm. Like I left feeling satisfied. I was like, yeah, this is an above average fun hour of the Sopranos, not entirely explosive or crazy, but good stuff.
1: I'm Chris D'Amato.
2: I'm Paul Mancini.
1: And I'm Jordan Hugh.
0: What are your thoughts on I,
1: it was a very bleak episode. Um, mm-hmm. I don't want to say sad. Uh, sad is sort of the wrong flavor here, though there is, of course, sadness in this episode. I just... Um, I feel so bad for everyone in this episode. Um, I guess it's kind of a downer. Uh, I really like the episode a lot. I agree, Chris. It's a setup episode, mm-hmm. but I'm used to more pep and energy in terms of like the emotion of a setup episode this felt like yeah hey we're positioning things and everything is positioned to go bad um mm. you know there, there was not like anything where i was like oh this is and this will be a wonderful development i was just like wow this is just a, a grim setup episode that just points to like life is just a meaningless <laughs> fucking husk i i don't know <laughs> i thought this was quite a dark episode i i know like nothing truly truly Horrible happens in this episode, but just this uh, uneasy making that the episode does. Um, I'll articulate more as we go, scene by scene. But I was just, um, I, I was definitely left uncomfortable at the end of this uh, episode of setup, just being like, "Wow, you have just set us up for just, just terrible things."
0: Mm-hmm.
2: Mm. Well said. Uh, this is an interesting episode. A lot of it is set up, as we mentioned in the last episode. This is a bit more a thread. With other storylines, we're following certainly the difficulties in Tony's marriage. We're following the difficulties that Bobby's having following the death of Karen, as well as Junior's ongoing trial. And yeah, I think there is something bleak, certainly in the loneliness of the characters and how they tend to that loneliness. Uh, But there's something very intriguing about it as well. I love the setups here. I think most interestingly what ends up happening with piomai and ultimately comes to the end of the episode which is far and away the best tableau that ends any episode of the sopranos there'll be more to say it's very rich i think it gets to something very important about tony that also is going to carry us through a lot of this season
0: well said guys it definitely is bleak what's funny i was just thinking about this as you were saying this jordan there's an upcoming episode and it's an episode i quite like for various reasons and the title of the episode no spoilers about the plot obviously but the the title of the episode is everybody hurts and i think (laughs) there's multiple episodes in season four that that title could apply to
1: (laughs) yeah not even the fucking horses spared in this episode yeah Speaking of horse, we open
0: at the Crazy Horse. Tony and Sill show up. Some average band is playing on the show, and they're going at it.
2: That's generous.
0: (laughs) I don't like to... Be too critical. Uh,
2: yo, who knows if, yeah, but,
0: uh, No, I, you know, who knows if this is the bands that are at Adriana's Club are selected on the show for a reason. So, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I enjoy the angles we get here. Tony's receiving a simple phone call from Carmela about did he talk to the accountant or whatever? So this is an ongoing thing. I mentioned this in the last episode, the format here where this stuff going on at home with Tony and Carmela is going to continue under each of the plots that are happening. It's ongoing. It's a direct continuation of him talking to his accountant about the trust and the, the stock portfolio and all the stuff that Tony was quote unquote bored by in the previous episodes. So, but then we get these odd angles and a metallic distortion of the music as Adriana's paranoia of what she's doing. She's ratting for the feds now. And she's just having these flashes of Tony talking about fucking her face up before he kills her. She's snitching for the feds. It's mm. I think an effective, cool way of getting her fear and anxiety across there. And they really do a good job making Tony look evil and insidious in those little cuts
1: there. It's a shame that this um nightclub turned out to be what we thought it was going to be.
0: <laughs> yeah.
1: Uh, Because we know Adriana has this interest in music and it almost feels like mocking that it was just like, hey, here's this nightclub that you can run. But really, it's just a front for the shit we want to do.
0: And maybe Chris anyway, later on, it intimates that the feds probably don't know about it. We know that they do. But yeah, it's a new business venture. So they feel comfortable dragging a guy who's pissing himself into the basement for a beating for whatever fucking reason. And she's privy to that A guy named Giovanni. We're going to come back to that later, but she steps out. She's snooping. She's keeping an eye out. She can't just do what she perhaps might want to do, which is turn a passive eye and just say, oh, not seeing that, not seeing that. She has to look and explore and figure out what's happening. I do feel bad for her. This is her club being taken over by the mob. Not that it was ever hers really to begin with, but this has to suck for her that this is happening and she can't do anything about it.
1: Yeah.
2: Yeah, it would seem like it could be, at least from her perspective, a place for her, even like a kind of haven. It turns out it's really supposed to be a haven for the mob. And Tony, by the end, will speak, will seek out a spiritual haven, not at the club, but with an actual horse at the stables. And this haven is not safe. It's not safe for Adriana. It's not really safe for the gangsters either. Cut to Janice,
0: who is simultaneously watching Jerry Springer and Bobby's house down the road. <laughs> do you
2: guys feel like she's channeling Livia, like with the binoculars, you know, spying oh, on people. Absolutely. She's at Livia's house. Remember Olivia with the sure. with the
0: remember Livia with the black male woman in in season yeah. one? What's she doing now? And then her <laughs> her, her mushrooms are burning. <laughs> <laughs> so very livia ask of course. I think it's and it's in I mean it's in Livia's kitchen. She's looking JoJo. Jojo Palmisi, Mikey Palmisi's wife from season one. Uh, it's been a while since we've seen her. Interesting yeah. there.
1: I like that they looped her back in. Um, yeah. That that was cool. Also, of course, uh, I had this moment to think about, and w- we could discuss this in, in just a bit. Yeah. There's something about these women where like they don't want to leave the universe of the family. So uh, suddenly Bobby becomes very attractive to probably a number of people who... Their husbands are dead in this line of work. And it's like, how do I stay connected here? Oh, look, I can fill in here.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, she's very interested, clearly. Yeah, she's she's one of these widows that are lingering and hovering around Bobby at this time. And Janice, what's sad, though, is JoJo's single because her husband, piece of shit that he was, was murdered. Right. Horrible, yeah. Janice is single because she shoved Ralph seferetto down a side of stairs. So- Yes, One of these people
1: (laughs) Well, and prior to that, she killed Her her previous partner
0: Yeah, so one of these people has Made her bed in a way that the other hasn't Yet Janice still feels the need to muscle in And we're going to see several examples of it Throughout this episode This is a great Janice episode In the sense that She uses her passive-aggressive Manipulative tactics In such a great way here the way she asserts dominance in the scene with Jojo and the other underhanded shit she's gonna do throughout the rest of this hour while looking like she's a source of hope and inspiration is just classic Janice. It's you feel shitty about it, but it's 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 good writing for this character. She's so devious. Sure. But she makes Jojo feel thoroughly awkward, brings up when she when Jojo mentions the idea of Bobby's kids and her kids playing, she mentions little Mike's. Stint with uh, how's he doing with the riddle in has to bring <laughs> that up, just just real and I mean this in a non disrespectful way, but just real bitchy stuff here. Just they're they're passive aggressive needling from Janice here, and JoJo is getting the hint.
2: Yeah, the kid's got enough friggin' problems. I mean, the ADD is probably hereditary because his dad couldn't shut the fuck up or keep <laughs> his mind on one thing at a time. <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, this scene is this whole sequence is great. Um I mean, going back to Christopher, when all this kind of got started up, it does seem as though, as genuinely as Janice can feel anything, she does genuinely like Bobby and was touched by him. Mm -hmm. Yes. But even after muscling Jojo out of the way, it seems as though she doesn't quite have an in, because Bobby is still just completely grief-stricken. So, as you said, Chris, great writing in typical Janice fashion... She will immediately maneuver to manipulate away it right? right yes so. jojo brought over the chicken
0: marsala they're all still bringing over i have to share this because she's been on the podcast and i don't think she'd mind me sharing this story lily and i watched this episode together and lily said to me when she saw bobby being all upset about it and crying she's like would you be that sad if i died and i'd be like actually lily i'd be worse because Oh. I wouldn't have a bevy of Italian housewives bringing me <laughs> plates of food. <laughs> I would pretty much just trudge wow. out to trudge out to Burger King or something and just eat alone in the rain for a couple weeks.
1: <laughs>
0: <laughs> so I just thought that was wow. funny. But yeah, so he's got all these delicious food in front of him, but he's grief-stricken. He can't enjoy it. But I want to mention this because it's going to come back in a few minutes. JoJo tells him, 350 degree oven for 20 minutes on the chicken Marsala. She leaves Janice takes the Marsala. She's going through the freezer. I like this idea that she can identify and and she's not the only one, by the way, who does this later on the episode, junior identifies a dish this way, but I love that she's going through and is able to identify who made what based on what it is that Gabriella did the stuffed shells. And then she pulls out this tray of ZD and Bobby immediately gets emotional that's yeah. karen ZD, the last one she made before she died oh my mm-hmm. heart i drew a little sad face on my notes poor body yeah.
2: i mean that that's another bleak thing but that is friggin funny man oh yeah i mean the way that these uh, that food brings up this power i i think he like looks at it and starts crying right yeah immediately now i want cd me too
1: and again, like as if, as if food wasn't already like this powerful talismanic force on this show, like here's a scene that is directly backing that up and being like, in this moment, this ZD is not just ZD. And it's not even just the last ZD that Karen made. In some way, I think he feels once I eat that ZD, my wife is gone, right? That yeah. the, the ZD has become uh, a representative of her person. Uh, And that's that is powerful. I actually um, I was a big fan of another uh, failed HBO show, uh, True Blood, which is terrible television. (laughs) I remember it's either I think it's the first season. uh, Sookie, who's played by Anna Paquin, the main character on the show, her grandmother dies on the show pretty early in the show's run. It's not a spoiler. It's like one of the first few episodes. And Gran had made a pie that they're all terrified to eat because it's the last pie she ever made. And once they eat that pie, it's like she's gone. And then there is actually a scene, I think, either in that episode or the following episode where Sookie eats the pie and cries. And I'm kind of imagining that moment for Bobby as well. So I Mm. I get it, you know.
0: Well said. The feds. Just before the scene with Bobby and Janice and Jojo, we did get this little thing where Aid is at a beauty salon talking to her mom and she gets a call from the feds and summoned to a bakery out in East Hanover, which is out there. I've been in that location. It's definitely far removed from the Sopranos area, which is deliberate. You don't want us to do it in your neck of the woods, do you? So she has to go out there, getting the highlights in a wax. We'll wait. After this scene at Bobby's, she goes there and... We are introduced to a new agent who is going to be handling the Adriana case, Agent Sanseverino, much more, a much older, more serious FBI agent, it feels like than Danielle and even Agent Harris. This is someone, my my theory on this, even though it's not stated explicitly is the agent who played Danielle was too much of a distraction for Adriana at that point to be productive. There was too much emotion put in there. So they're bringing in, severino to san severino to be a cold intermediary between adriana and the fbi going forward
1: yeah also more more food we're at a bakery yeah exactly they could have could have been anywhere at this
2: meeting but it's at a bakery as if i couldn't hate these fbi people more um when they call adriana the agent who's playing danielle deb i think is a real name she says to adriana don't Run or whatever, because we have people watching the beauty shop mm. and she snickers with the other FBI agents. So, presumably, they tracked her there or they know she's there, but there's nobody watching the shop and they're just intimidating her. Yeah. Like, so my note was like, just fuck these people. That's what I wrote down. Yeah. Then in this scene, yeah, I mean, it's, it's, it's well done. It's powerful. We, we feel for Ayana. She's learning some tough truths about both Big Pussy and, uh, Uncle Richie.
0: Yeah, I was going to say.
2: I mean, just to to speak to how bleak this is that Jordan mentioned it at the top, Adriana is so vulnerable and pathetically alone in this that she even feels sad when her betrayer abandons her. She even feels this vulnerability when Danielle, Mm. this woman, she said, eat shit, Danielle, or whatever the fuck your name is. But then when she leaves, Adriana says, why? I mean, yeah. that's rough. She yeah. is fucking nowhere, you know? Oof,
0: yeah, uh, yeah, I didn't even pick up on that. You're totally correct. <laughs> that's
1: yeah. sad. And only because this came up again this episode, um, and I'm not sure if it's in this scene or if it's coming up in a short while, I'm pretty sure it's this scene. Adriana seems to have some ongoing uh, stomach issues. Uh, she uh, mm. vomited on the table in a previous episode mm-hmm. uh, when she's first con- confronted by uh, uh, Cupidos and the other agents. And in this episode, uh, in this scene, or it, maybe it's in the subsequent, I'm not sure. She excuses herself to the bathroom as well. So mm-hmm. this is this whole, the stress of this situation is causing her specifically stomach distress. I'm just trying to say, in a, a culture where food is so nourishing, it seems like this this whole situation is literally turning her stomach. And then um, we're going to get some, uh, well, uh, I, I know we're getting ahead of ourselves. We're going to get some intestinal distress from this horse as well later in the episode. So there's, um, there's a, a stomach thing going on here.
0: Yeah, completely correct. Danielle's last line or Deb's last line on the way out is what we talked about. The little creatures. Good luck with that. I mean it, eat shit. She's not having it. That's something personal. That's a particular particular, the possibility that Adriana's infertile is a particular source of sadness and never told anybody before, even Christopher. And so she's miserable about that, but that's kind of a Deb was trying to have a, hey, woman to woman, good luck with that legitimately. And age like, fuck you, you don't care. And maybe she's right. They try to stress this idea that Chris might be in trouble and you never know what kind of people he's hanging out with. She's insisting Chris doesn't need your help. Well, you don't know where he is half the time. He's hanging out with Tony Soprano and who knows who else. Tony would never hurt Christopher. They dropped this bomb on her about Pussy and Richie that they're not in the program which is a revelation to her and probably a very sickening one to what Jordan was talking about. It would enough to turn anybody's stomach and the directive for now from agent Harris is make Tony's house, your primary area of focus for the time being. We'll come back to that back at Casa Soprano. Carm has a stock tip on a medical stock from her cousin, Brian, Tony. ah, we don't have that kind of money on hand. I'm sorry. What are you going to do? Ah, just don't have it. Next scene is him going out to the bird feed and counting what I have to assume is much more than whatever Carmelo is asking for.
2: So he's lying. Choosing the words carefully. We don't have that kind of money on hand right now. No, we do not because I'm hiding it from you. Just yeah. as he'll choose words carefully later when he says to Ralphie, how's our girl and what should we do?
0: Mm-hmm. So it's tough. Carm wants to try this out. Tony's not having it. Then we're at a stable. Ralph has bought this horse. Pio oh my. She's about to race. Ralph is upset. The horse, as soon as he bought the horse, it starts losing. Cute little scene here as they're walking through. There's a goat that Tony's warned to stay away from. But they have this exchange about horses having friends. Even Seabiscuit had another horse that went around with him. (laughs) Of course, I
1: would know that. So this is the um, this is actually the second appearance of Paiomai. Yes, um, I believe uh, the last time we saw Paiomai was very briefly in in the episode Christopher. Ralph
0: says, "I'm buying her."
1: Right, and um, obviously Paiomai is featured prominently in this episode. What what does this name Paiomai mean? Did I did I totally miss a, a film reference or something like that, or does anyone have any idea? The only image I can conjure in my head it's like of like the jefferson's theme song i i we finally got our piece of the pie but that doesn't really fit does hmm. it i don't i don't really know what pie o mai means and horse horse names are famously like weird but they usually reference something um if not about the animal then about the owner it just it seems like a really deliberate fun cool name and i'm like is there a story to this you know
2: mm. yeah i don't know what the story is like in in the world of the show all I can think of is what it brings up. So there's of course the term piece of the pie. Right. Um, Money floating all around this episode. Of course, I thought of Tony's appetite um, sure. in that pie is brought up. Yeah. But, um, it's
1: a, it's a cute name. I just, I was wondering, I was like, Oh, is, does Paul have like some deep cut, like gangster film reference? Like, Oh, well, pie am I was, <laughs> I don't know, you know? Oh, I
2: wish. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but I think, as you said, also there's the um. As we hear from, I think during the race, we hear some other very funny uh, horse names. Um, right. Zucker's, Zucker's of, mother is the big one, right? Yeah. Yeah, just sort of bopped off in quick succession. Yeah.
0: Mm. I I don't know that there is a specific. It's, it it does sound right as far as the name Pio. My sounds like a, one of these cheesy horse names that you'd see at a racetrack. I don't know if there's more to it than that. It does evoke images of pizza pie. There's all kinds of pie. Yeah. (laughs) Pie. Oh, my. I thought it was interesting. That's all I don't know. No, I agree. I don't know if there's more to it than that. I I haven't been able to find anything on that, but if any of our fans, if any of our listeners or fans have a a theory on that, we'd love to hear it. Please send it our way. I'm, I'm certainly curious if, if there's some poem or or song or something that this is referencing, throw it at us. I want to know.
2: My is also, A condition of ownership and Mm. that's something that comes up uh Ralphie owns the horse he talks about when it's your horse it's good Tony slowly taking the reins if you will of the horse Carmela resents that Tony says I gave you this as if it wasn't as if this trust in her marriage was not already hers Mm. and a horse doesn't complain about those things it's a horse that's one of the things that Tony likes about the 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 environment of the stables. It's quiet; nobody's nagging him. So I think that that could be something too. Hmm.
0: I like that. I like that. You know, it's. I, I have to interrupt this. Actually, we're going to get back to the episode in a second. It's so funny that we're covering this episode right now. <laughs> There's a Twitter account that is called at Pyomai is alive, right? Okay. And it's, it's, it's the Twitter account for the horse that played Pyomai. <laughs> the horse's real name is Goldie. I, I, I wish this were, of course, this happens in this episode that is bleak and sad. Just a few hours ago on Twitter, uh, this horse, unfortunately, just passed away. 23 years old. Are you kidding? Oh, and come no, on. The horse that played Piyomai died today. As we're recording this episode. Yes, I'm not kidding. Get the
1: fuck out of here.
0: No, I'm dead serious. Pio my Goldie passed away this morning after four year struggle with Equin Cushing's disease. Uh Goldie was 23 years old.
1: Guys, that's that's fucking wild. Come on. Wow. That is What insane. is that? That's insane. Yeah.
0: That's crazy. That that so that and that just came up on my Twitter feed like a minute ago. Uh, it now truly it wild. To, that, that's truly wild. Th- that is something else. Uh, well, rest in peace, Goldie.
1: That's rest uh, in peace, Goldie. Oh my god. Oh
0: man, that's crazy. Wow, <sighs> that's wild that that just captured. She was I'm, I'm, a beautiful <laughs> horse. Yes, I am freaking Why out. I I was... Oh, anyway. <laughs> Tony offers advice on the race, hold her back a little bit, don't let her. Go right from the get go. But then it comes out, hey, you don't fuck with a horse's style. Let her run a race. Tony defers to the exports, e- experts. I love this last exchange here. Tell that midget not to be shy with the whip. And Hesh says, if only his mother'd take that advice. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Funny. Great line. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> Followed by another hilarious line as we cut to Junior's kitchen. This poor, poor Murph, who. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. is looking after junior in bobby's stead that's what you're wearing the court <laughs> <laughs> no response from murphy just looks down and shakes his head as janice comes in this is what i meant earlier when i said that we're going to see janice's underhanded passive aggressive bullshit through this entire episode janice brings junior jojo's marsala jojo's chicken marsala Tells Mur- Murph to heat it up at two, three hundred fifty degrees for twenty minutes. Is not going to let Bobby eat this Marsala. Awful, just awful. And it looks like a nice thing, like oh, I'm bringing June, my uncle June, so something neat. But it's it's Janice doing the right thing for somebody for the absolute most selfish reason possible, and it's not the last time she's going to do that today.
1: <laughs> yeah,
0: just terrible. Junior dropping the Shakespeare again. I'm waiting to win. I'm waiting like patience on a monument.
1: Right. Which uh, I think we we heard him use that line before at some point. In
0: season one. I'm waiting okay. like patience on a monument for discipline to be handed down when Chris is hijacking the trucks. Right.
1: So this is one of his like in the pocket things that he says, mm-hmm. which is just really cute. And also, well, great intelligence. I mean, so that's great. Yeah. And, and just
2: as he goes through Murph's pockets for fucking change.
1: <laughs>
0: yeah. <laughs> and so funny too he's he's complaining about murph and about how he misses bobby he's been patient he's not totally shit-talking bobby here but you know when i'm waiting here and then this one with the drives like a little old lady gas break gas break poor murph <laughs> each of us is alone in the fucking universe that's our pull quote from junior
1: and, it, and it's great and and patience on the monument i didn't uh, mean to say belie i meant to say it, it proves junior's intelligence he has these phrases that are actually quite good and, and usable i feel like he's said that one before too that each of us is is alone that feels like Oliviaism, but it is also kind of the theme of the episode so paul paul amazing amazing pull quote this week this is the bleakness that i was talking about absolutely
2: yes i i wanted to um reflect i think that bleakness and i guess how we how we deal with it how do we tend to that loneliness and but I, but, I guess, as uh, to Jordan's point, that brings up the bleak quality because while there's something there's something very gentle about the ending with Tony. But Adriana sees to her loneliness by taking part in Chris's uh, drug use. it's 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 dark. Um, so that that's why I chose uh, that quote. I, yeah, I love this scene. i I love this vibe. Um, Chris, you're dead on Janice and her passive aggressive stuff is very funny. You know, Chris, I remember Johnny said one day Bobby would be your linchpin, <laughs> <laughs> but Bobby was a head waiter when Johnny died. <laughs> <laughs> That's so funny, yeah.
0: Cut to the racetrack. Ginsburg is saying, Yeah, stock portfolio, blue chip, do it, go with God, make the wife happy, make the universe stop bugging you for that. Tony laments the days when Carmelo wasn't worried about the money. He brought home the money. She took care of the house. That's the way it should be in his mind. And then Ginsburg raises a red flag on the life insurance trust. And Tony says, well, it's got great tax benefits. Yeah, for Carmelo, when you die. But the problem is it's irrevocable if something happens. Divorce, say you can't you can't undo it you'd have to petition the court and even then it's tenuous these things these trusts are very hard to undo and so that's tony's that's the advice tony's accountant's given him we're going to come back to that shortly but the race is on and ralph is very invested he's bet $5000 i hate this fucking pygmy i hate him <laughs> he <laughs> says when <laughs> when pyomai starts the race in a uh, very far back in the pack then Tony's strategy inadvertently wins the day. They held her back for the first part of this longer race and then pile my charged right to the top and won. Ralph screaming, I'm rich. I'm rich. I bet five grand on an eight to one. That is, I would consider that rich. Certainly. Yeah. <laughs> I love that this, the the legal owner is <laughs> Ralph's maid, <laughs> just so confused, standing there with the with the photo thing, and just very funny. She looks like did you guys. Did
2: you guys? I can't get over her sweater that says "I love Paris." <laughs> <laughs> just oh my god!
0: Champagnes all around. Not for nothing. The horse won, but that was not the agreed upon strategy but it was a fluke. It was an accident. Ralph is feeling celebratory. He just made a killing on this race. He says, Tony, right is right. Here's your taste. He might regret this very soon.
1: (laughs) This was not, and this was not an arrangement that Tony put forward. This was not the the terms of the bet that anybody agreed upon. Tony did not say, Hey, if my strategy wins, give me part of the winnings. Uh, Ralphie's just trying to be nice here and Mm -hmm. it gets taken advantage of.
2: Exactly. Tony says to him, "Your money is no good while looking expectantly at at his envelope yeah, it's very well set up um mm-hmm. that that at some level, even though you guys are quite right, there was no th- there's no terms here, but Tony at some level feels essentially just like he's entitled to this, and if and when he wants more, he'll be entitled to that more money changing
0: hands here, Tony dropping out Carmela's what I presume to be, and I use this word in." the way that I think they would Carmela's allowance. Tony brings in the bread, Carmela lays out the expenses and Tony pays for it. That's, I, that's how it were. It probably works. AJ needs cleats, whatever, etc. cetera. After that exchange is done. Tony says, you got the papers for me to sign. Yeah. I talked to Ginsburg. Carmela is pleasantly surprised. I'm so impressed again, the idea that of the emotional labor that the, the women in these situations have to bear where, simply doing something that is easy and, and requested of you is impressive.
1: <laughs> yeah. The um the exchange of money between Tony to Carmela, the allowance, as you put it, I mean, being allowed to see that is no accident. I mean, he, she says, AJ needs cleats and, you know, he, she asks for, I think $150 from him. And he was just like, oh, in my day, it was 50. It was just like, you know, he is so loath to part with any little bit of money to, you know, feed his own household, but he'll go out and gamble and make wild purchases and things like that. It's just, you know, it's just this mounting focus of just like his lack of care at home.
0: Well said. And he agrees to sign the papers. He signs a bunch of them, two out of three, but he won't sign the trust I know this is a very serious and upsetting situation for Camilla, but I have to laugh at Tony's malaprop here because his, uh, his accountant Ginsburg suggested a quote inter vivo or living trust. And Tony says in vitro something (laughs) (laughs) in vitro is nothing to do with any of this. It's a, that's a pregnancy without intercourse procedure that can happen (laughs) It's just very funny. That's a great malaprop. I love when they're able to pull that off. But Carmela is very upset by this. It's irrevocable. Tony's not taking it seriously. Float like a butterfly, sting like a bee. It's a government. You got to be flexible. And she is absolutely furious by this. And then Tony ducks into the living room, picks up, disappears into the newspaper. Be fair, Carm. I gave you two out of three. You gave me and here we are. This is not going to be right for the rest of the episode between them. It's this is infuriating for her thoughts on this.
1: Yeah. I I mean, I think uh, this is like an example of it could have been less bad. If Mm. you know what I mean? Like um, it's totally fine that Tony talked things over with his accountant and the accountant had a disagreement with uh, the manner in which the trust was being established, but Because Tony has been so neglectful towards Carmela, towards her interests, towards her ideas about security and things like that, this comes off as so much more callous than it really is. Yeah. Uh, And it's also like he delivers this with no gentleness. He handles this like he would handle one of his underling employees. Like, oh, yeah, sure. Sure, I'll sign. Here's two things I signed. Oh, you didn't sign the third. Yeah, I'm not going to do that. Right. It's so asshole-ish. Right. It's... um it's just not appropriate and it's not um, brought up in a way that is sensitive. And he already knows she's sensitive about this. So I I don't really know why he's being such a dick here. I I don't get it. Mm.
2: Just as in the last episode, when Jordan eloquently pointed out some of these unfair elements of body image that are placed upon women here, I think in this episode, particularly with Tony, we're dealing with, I think, uh, a male perspective and an old school male perspective on how to communicate on how to operate in a marriage. And Tony, for example, in the previous scene where the, that, where this is set up, he's talking to Ginsburg at the track. He brings up that Carmela is a smart woman hmm. as a negative. That's a negative because she'll keep, Oh, she'll want to do something else. The living trust, then stock options, investing in the medical stock, then it'll be something else and something else. Then as Jordan pointed out kind of weirdly here, he talks to her as if she's an idiot and it doesn't go well. She doesn't buy it. She's, the, she's not taken with it. She's frustrated and upset. And then again, like uh, not, not a perspective that I'm endorsing, but the perspective that an old school guy like Tony has, she keeps bothering him about it. You gave me, and this is a living trust. And what are the terms of tr- a trust? or a bigger concept of trust between dishonest people versus what are the terms of trust with a horse? A horse doesn't ask you to sign anything. A horse doesn't ask you to be emotionally available. The horse doesn't blush when you call her girl or baby, which is why Tony's Haven will finally be in a stable. Yeah. And not at home.
0: Absolutely. Speaking of home, Tony and Carmela apparently have invited Chris and Adriana to have dinner with them at their home. And Adriana is faking a flu to get out of it. She doesn't want to. This is her way of avoiding the reality that's been placed in front of her. And Chris says, this is the inner sanctum here. I think Pauline is Gumar's get invited for dinner with them. And Adriana's not, doesn't want to do it. She was told by agent Harris to focus on the house. If she were leaning into this, it could be an opportunity here, but she's not, she doesn't want to. And Chris, nothing ever goes my way. Sits down in the living room, shoots up.
2: Yep.
1: Which, of course, is uh, very on-the-nose, the other kind of horse in the episode. yeah. Right, yes.
0: Yeah, horse, for those of you who don't know, is another word for heroin. So, works there on that level.
2: In typical Sopranos irony, things looking up with Chris getting invited into the quote inner sanctum is a complication for Adriana's storyline. I also have often wondered on the show what the FBI really wants out of Adriana because she doesn't know very much. And I think actually the only real explanation is that this would be the prize, her proximity to Christopher and his proximity to Tony. Um, That's why they talk about the house being her area of focus.
1: Mm-hmm. yeah i'm wondering if, if maybe they're already coming to I, I don't know if regrets the right word but like kind of realized that like adriana was like not a great person to get because she's not privy to much you know what i mean you know. she has to like really make extra effort to get anything it's it's not so dissimilar to the lamp right it's just like you kind of pick the wrong object or the wrong
2: person to use
0: mm. very interesting i like that
2: christopher at the beginning of the scene saying I'm in the inner sanctum now and ending the scene by saying nothing ever goes my way is vintage Sopranos.
0: <laughs> yeah. Cut to Janice in the kitchen with Bobby and the kids, Bobby's sweet kids. I guess Bobby Jr. Found his way out of the garage at some point. Cause he's here having this <laughs> delicious, <Yes. laughs> delicious looking lasagna. The kids are kind of being kids. It's- they were excited about the Fuji blimp over the Willowbrook mall when they were in the car, but now it's like, ah, eh, so what? <laughs> it's cute. It's funny. Janice is trying to elicit some discussion. <laughs> She's being uncharacteristically sweet to Bobby's kids, even though they're being rude to her. She, <laughs> she stands there for a second when she could just leave. Oh, smells good. Doesn't it not leaving <laughs> So waiting for Bobby to invite her to sit. So everything she does is calculated. There's no accidents with Janice. Every word, everything she does, every way she moves. It's really amazing to think about. It's exhausting to think about. I I, I couldn't live like that. (laughs) The kids want to go eat in front of the TV when she's invited to stay. Bobby's like, that's rude. Janice is like, no, no, I'm the one intruding. Just being great. Great to them. Sits down. Bobby has had some union business to attend to that he's been, that he hasn't done yet. And Janice, this is why this is frustrating. This whole Janice thing, because on one hand, Bobby needs and people who are stuck in grief mode, not that grieving is a bad thing. It's a very healthy, normal thing, but Bobby needs to be told, Hey, you need to get back to life a little bit. You need to get back to work. You need to be doing something constructive other than just sitting at the table, Crying and lamenting you need to Get back out there and and not Lose sight of the ball But at the same time This very correct advice he's getting Is for the most selfish possible reason Janice Is only gaming for Janice here So it's one of those tough Fun soprano situations where it's The right advice for a selfish reason
1: Right I guess the Idea being well, it's more than just that she wants to get with Bobby. It's that she wants to get with him. And also she wants him to be useful or I guess a better gangster, right? Is that, is that kind of what we're getting at?
0: Yeah. And that he, he will, he needs to be jostled out of his grief mode. This is a okay. mode that he oh, sorry, yeah, right? Yeah. Right, that, right. that she can't get past the Karen thing. She can't get, if he's stuck in it and, later on in the episode after he goes out and does that we'll talk about what he does but he comes back it's like yeah hey, you know i'm having a good day it's the first time bobby smiled since episode 3
1: yeah so yeah so so despite janice's faults or or manipulation or self-interest we could say something good came of it right yeah, yeah.
0: she's not wrong when you're grieving a terrible loss especially a spouse or somebody who is immensely close to you it never goes away and if you allow yourself to wallow in that grief it could be forever and someone at some point a loved one needs to tell you hey get dressed shower go outside do something right so the that's what's tough is the advice she's giving him is the correct way forward but it's tough because it's janice and we know that she's only thinking about janice
2: (laughs) and probably the right tact to use among other things she warns him that The business is unforgiving you'll be nobody if you don't take this action and when he says i don't care what happens to me anymore i believe she says we lose that luxury when we have children yes yes which will which can move bobby bobby really i mean he loves and cares about those kids and they they, they might be the only reason that he is hanging on by a thread at this point um but that's also complicated that this next scene with bobby is not going to paint him in a good light we'll get there and Janice, again, mentions him very sparingly,
0: but she does mention her son Harpo here, that she had both barrels of a shotgun in her mouth at one point, and her th- thoughts of her son Harpo growing up without his mother kept her alive. Manipulation in part because Harpo did grow up without his mother.
1: <laughs> but Right, though I believed her. Oh, yeah, sure, certainly, certainly. Yeah. I don't, the, I mean, yes, it's manipulation, I think, but I think she's absolutely someone who has been on the edge of taking her own life more than once. Absolutely.
0: And anytime, anytime Harpo is brought up, it's an immediate nerve for her, right? That's, we talked about Johnny Sack's berserk button. I think Harpo is a Janice berserk button because Carmela sure. brings mm. it up briefly in the fair, one of the very first episodes you ever see her. And, she immediately gets emotional. I'm sorry, Carm. Can we not talk about him? And moves on. So this is a, 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 for her to share this with him is big. And she knows that it'll be big, but it's also coming from a the most genuine place it's possible to come from for Janice. Cousin Brian's at the stable. There's going to be another race. Tony uh, drops the next bit of advice. Nah, let her blow it away. It's a shorter race. Ralphie's deferring to Tony this time. And... There's another race and Pio Mai wins again. Big money, Tony and Ralph clean up.
1: Yes. However, but cousin Brian bet to show. <laughs> yes. Which means like a lot less money. I think the uh I had to look up betting terminology for horse races because it's not something I've ever done. Mm. So apparently there's you could bet to win, which is obviously your horse wins. You can bet to place, which means your horse comes in first or second. I think that's correct. Mm-hmm. Uh, but you don't get nearly the amount of winnings. Uh, and then you can show which is your horse just comes in first second or third but you get a a fraction of a fraction of what the total win would have been right so everyone's celebrating this huge victory financial advisor brian if he would have just listened to the gangsters could have made a lot of money instead he totally wipes out on this takes a fucking bath by betting to show by playing it too safe
0: yeah exactly that's so funny and it's such an interesting way of looking at it too because in the movie Casino, there's a scene where Robert De Niro is narrating about this big whale that they had in who was stuck in the casino and he lowered his bets because he was kind of taking a beating. But then when you start right. winning, the gambler mentality is if you win on a lesser bet, you're actually losing because you should have bet more, right? Yeah. <laughs> and that's that mentality. Brian Brian's leaving with more money than he showed up to the track with. It's just not the kind of money that Ralph and Tony are making betting on the actual odds Yeah just, It's just funny that that's losing to a gambler But to me yeah. Somebody who is not a professional gambler Gambles very sparingly on a trip Or something It's like you leave with more than you came with You, you, you won <laughs>
1: Yeah. Have you also noticed uh, I think it's in this scene where it's really displayed The way in which Tony and Ralph cheer the horse on Is very different Hmm. Tony says things like, Come on, girl, come on, girl, do it, do it, whatever. Ralph says, You fucking nag. Come on, you fucking <laughs> nag. Like it's yeah. just it's uh how they also talk to women. Ooh. I think there's something there. Am yeah. I reaching? I don't no, know. There's something all. about nope. it.
2: Not at nope. all. Dead and, on. Dead on, Jordan.
1: Yes. And I uh, uh,
0: let's let's put a big circle around what you just said and come back to it at a future point.
1: Yeah.
0: Great, great pull. Tony's uh, Tony's got no money for that medical stock, but he's got money to bet on these horses, by the way, I'm sure Carmela is not going to be happy if she knew about this. Tony comes home and offers to when he gets the silent treatment and there's multiple bouquets of flowers, by the way, here in (laughs) Carmela's just living amongst him, not responding to anything. He's saying, he says, I came into some cash. If you want to buy that stock, the only thing she says on her way up the stairs, it's split. We missed it.
1: Yes. Wow. Which after our last episode where stock splitting came up, I finally had someone explain to me what this is. Did oh, good. Actually... So a friend of the show, Craig, said I had the wrong idea of what stock splitting means. So uh, stock splitting is, in fact, bad. Um, well, sort of. What it means is this. It means that a company that has stock that is publicly traded mm-hmm. is doing well and issues more stock, issues ah. more shares. So everyone who has X number of shares, you're there's now more shares that exist. So yeah. the number of shares that you have are worth less. Less. Oh, interesting. Um, okay. So you don't want it then. After the stock has become diluted, um, you wanted to get in early and then sell it before it splits. Right. So good for the company. Right. Isu- issuing more shares likely means that they're doing well and they have more shares they can issue. But for the people that are buying the stock, that have the stock initially, stock splitting is bad. So she is no longer interested in this venture because it's already blown up. It already exploded.
2: Well, thank you for that, George. Yes, this uh, that and that underlines actually what Tony said about Carmela. She's a smart woman, which means she had the right idea that they should have gotten in then.
1: Correct. And Tony is like. Well, I guess what's what's becoming overt in this episode and how it's structured is Tony's betting on the wrong horse. Right. He should be he should be investing in his wife. Mm. Right. That's that's where he's his money and his attention should be, but it's not. It's on this horse. Yeah.
0: Well, there you go. For anyone who listens to our hit is a hit coverage in season one and was like, these fucking idiots don't know what a stock split is, bro. Now we know thank you and you know right. yeah
1: right well someone specifically listened to that episode and said oh you jordan doesn't know what a split is and i i didn't and i i haven't listened to that episode of ours in a long time but i think i kind of even said i wasn't sure yeah no we, uh, we but, were
0: like i don't know what that means but probably yeah. bad
1: but but now i do <laughs> <laughs> yeah,
0: very good thanks bros <laughs> bobby we never see this side of bobby I'm fascinated by this little scene here where he goes to the bar.
2: This was and, so
1: good.
0: Yeah, I love this. This is this is a fun bit of action in the midst of this. Uh, he's influencing the union election. They want to elect this guy that is not going to cooperate. The union guy sitting at the bar is, it's suggested that the guy that they have in there now has been skimming pensions for 30, pensions have been ripped off for 30 years, which is a lot of how the mob makes their money with unions. They rip off the pension funds and this is, this is fun. Everything Bobby says here is purposeful. He's a good gangster when he wants to be, he's just more kindly about it in some ways, which is fun in a scene where you're threatening somebody's life over, a over an election. But the, for one of the first things he says, I saw your caravan out there. Nice car for a family. Great thing to say to someone you're about to threaten. Oh, we know, yeah. We, yeah, we yeah. know you have kids.
1: It's a great scene. Yeah, Uh, I actually uh, I was surprised because it was uh, a great turn by the actor, by the way, really does a nice job. Mm. Um, I was like, what does Bobby Bacala like sound like or look like when he's being threatening? Because it was clearly an intimidation scene from the moment Mm -hmm. he sat down. And I was like, oh, my goodness, this is really cool. It's like jovial threatening. (laughs) I was like, oh, yeah, this friendly guy, he sat down, he had a drink with me. But everything he said had two meanings. And the implication was as like the, the actual what was being said was so pleasant, but the undertone of that was just like, I'll blow your head off and I'll kill your family was basically <laughs> what was said. Yeah.
0: Yeah. It's really something. This is, uh, it's like I said, and it's also interesting because it's not something we see out of Bobby, but for the most part, it, it's, it's fun to see these characters use their strengths the way they are able to. Like Bobby just coming off like, an average union Joe at the bar who, by the way, is just threatening to murder your entire family, but just, he's having a casual, he has such a casual way about it. This tactic wouldn't have worked. If Tony had sent Bobby to intimidate Gloria this way in season three, he had to send Patsy for that, this ugly, abrasive gangster to be like, Hey, this is the last face you're going to see. And I'm going to kill you. This is Bobby just, Hey, I'm a nice guy at a bar and I noticed all this stuff. It's good. It's just so good. I love seeing his talent applied this way.
2: Yeah. Uh, Yeah. Bobby is a piece of shit like the rest of them. Um, Yes. yes. (laughs) The guys are. um, And also what the mob does. This is also interestingly, importantly, one of the only things the mob has left now, the influence on public sector unions. So junior needs this influence. He needs this money. These are desperate times for him, and so he needs this work done. And it is weird. It's funny. It's charming. Um, it revitalizes Bobby. It mm-hmm. revitalizes Bobby to go and threaten a guy's life and implicitly threaten his children. When yeah. what we're concerned about in terms of Bobby and his life is his life and his kids, yeah, and their family unit. It's it's weird. It's it's um it's the Sopranos complexity and i at its best
0: well said next scene adriana being very sweet and loving the second chris gets through the door it's uh i don't know i think it's the kind of greeting every working man would enjoy and it's nice she's just very affectionate and sweet but there's something else to it right there's never no one's coming at it with a direct agenda here she's stressed out she's nervous. I'll make you some eggs. You want some eggs? Sure. Whatever. And drops this idea about moving to California, which Chris immediately throws cold water on. I hate it out there. She starts with this quote, negative shit. Someone could have it out for you and you wouldn't even know it. And what the fuck is this? Chris is getting increasingly anxious. I had that bird watching over me when I got made. So I'm already under a, whatever, whatever you call it possibly. Right.
1: I like that. That came back around. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Yeah.
2: Articulate as ever. I'm I'm already under a whatever it is Possibly
0: (laughs) Yep And I just love you If you love me stir my eggs (laughs) Uh, Adriana's not getting anywhere This is very frustrating The dialogue itself is funny But what's happening here is very sad This is Adriana Scratching and clawing for a way out Characters planning for some kind of exit That may or may not happen It's 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 sad and it is bleak Uh, who's going to find their exit and how and why who's locked into what it's just, it's so it's, it's tough. It's tough. Vito Patsy, Ralph and Eugene take over the office in the crazy horse. Adriana can't do anything about it. They go in there. Vito breaks her chair. We'll come back to that. They all laugh at Vito. (laughs) I love Junior quoting Mr. Rogers as he's putting his sweater on. (laughs) (laughs) It's a beautiful day in the neighborhood and I'm rotting in that courtroom and he's watching the news and I (laughs) die laughing at this every time I've seen it a hundred times, but when that cartoon comes up and it isn't great, he just like the fuck, but (laughs) But these court but these these courtroom artists aren't great. They're having to do it very quickly. And they're they're, you know, as Bobby says, if they were, was it Bobby who says if they were great, they'd be in a museum, right? <laughs> <laughs> so I'm fucking fodder for cartoonists now.
2: <laughs> what a it's isn't it like such a perfect affront to Junior's sense of dignity? Yeah. It's just like a bad drawing, you know. Well, that's it. He's 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 watching the news,
0: and that's what I wanted to ultimately mention about this, Paul, is that he's watching the news, and the headline that's being talked about underneath the picture of the drawing is that they outlined financial irregularities at Comley Trucking, which might be a source of concern considering that Junior's on trial for his life, but Junior is a character most of all driven by insecurity and his sense of dignity and his sense of pride and his image. He's looking for how he's being put out there on the news, not what the actual news is. And he's not happy with this art. Of course, that's what he latches onto, right? Also interesting that we spend so little time in the courtroom while this trial is going on. Like this is an ongoing thing. He's at the courthouse every day. It's a major Rico case. they could have, the writers could have very easily made this season, a courtroom drama season. And they didn't because we don't need to spend time in the courtroom. He's guilty. Spoiler alert, folks. He's guilty of the Rico. <laughs> he's, he's guilty of leading a criminal conspiracy, right? Yeah. It's about how it affects him. And what it means for the character emotionally and in the, in, the, in the sense of the world. So I like that we're not spending a ton of time in the courtroom, just kind of touching down on it and seeing what Junior's life is like outside of it. But this is an interesting development, him and this cartoonist. Bobby assures Junior that he took care of that thing. And Junior says, good. All that moping around. It's good to have you back, essentially, is the sentiment there. Bobby starts talking about Janice and how Janice has been a source of comfort. She's been great with the kids cooking, bringing food over. Mm, yep.
1: And, Junior's, and Junior's not like, having it, not having it. Janice. He starts lifting the weight. <laughs> <Yeah>.
0: <laughs> Since when everyone usually steers clear of her food.
1: <laughs> you think I would unleash her on shellfish. <laughs> yep. yep. And he
0: starts describing this lasagna. I thought Karen's was good, but and Junior again identifies the dish. Identifies the wife by the dish, uh, the little with the basil leaves right under the cheese. Which, by the way, I've made Carmela's lasagna in the way this is described, and it's delicious.
1: Yeah, that sounds so good.
0: Yeah, little bits of sausage and basil layer, of basil leaves. Oh yeah. Oh yeah.
1: That yeah, there's a great. there's
0: a Sopranos book. It's kind of a cookbook. It's like entertaining with the Sopranos that I have. There's a couple recipes in there. Carmela's lasagna is one of the recipes, and I've made it before. It's it's quite. That tasty.
2: sounds just great. Yeah. Yeah. yeah.
0: Uh. Bobby
2: yeah. says, uh, come on, you always think the worst of everybody, Junior. And my <laughs> response was, and this is the one time you should probably listen. Yeah. yeah uh, exactly. Junior has had Janice clocked from the beginning. Mm-hmm.
0: Yep. Fine. Enjoy. I think Junior says something to the effect of enjoy your lasagna. Just don't come running to me. <laughs> Junior's like, okay, well... If- all right. I got enough shit to worry about. Have fun with all that. <laughs> <laughs> and then poor Murph. There's some kind of crashing sound off screen. <laughs> Junior just looks angry for a second. Go see if he's all right. <laughs> <laughs> poor Murph. Poor fucking Murph. Yeah, man. So funny. Oof. Cut back to the crazy horse from the back office. Adrian's complaining about all the time everybody's spending in the building and griping to Christopher. She goes to sit down as they're having this discussion and Vito's broken via the fact that Vito broke the chair. She collapses. Christopher laughs at her just as hard as Vito was laughed at real sensitive stuff. And it <laughs> <laughs> doesn't go to check on her. He's just eating. What is he eating? Pork rinds or chips or something.
1: <laughs> it is uh, funny. It's, it's, it's miserable, hilarious. but it's very funny.
0: Oh, and by the way, we're going to Tony and Carmela's for Sunday dinner. I don't care if your mother's dying. Uh, poor aid it's just piling on and she has she has zero control over any of anything that's happening around her right zero control we're going back to the courtroom and this scene is great junior just gives the artist the (laughs) molek I bet the actor's audition who the actor who's playing the courtroom artist (laughs) I bet his entire audition was all right just swallow nervously (laughs) and they probably cast him off of that because he just had to Make eye contact with Dominic Cianese, who's glaring daggers at him. I love that. Can you imagine being that cartoonist and this mob boss on trial? Is <laughs> yeah. So fucking funny. Uh, Aid is at the mall, and Harris and Sin Severino get her in the car. They mention a name, Giovanni Kogo. We know that Giovanni was dragged into the back of her club. She heard the name Giovanni. We don't know who this guy is, but the feds are on to whatever it is. And she doesn't snitch on on Giovanni, but they give her almost like a a sick inverted version of what Melfi does to Tony in therapy. It's a, whereas Melfi is looking out for Tony's own good. This silence is going to cause Adriana to elicit something that is not for her own good. Mm. So they give her that, that, that's yeah. Thank you. And She doesn't say anything about this guy that they roughed up in the basement. She keeps Omerta on that, but she does give them something because they're waiting there with their handout, like Tony's going to be in, the, in, in a subsequent scene uh, or in the previous scene with Pyomai. He just has his handout waiting for Ralph to give him more money. And it's, it's rough, but she gives him something about Patsy's suit operation. See? How hard was that? Yeah, it only took this woman becoming completely unraveled at all moments, yep. all parts of her life for her to give that to you. Hope you hope you do something good with it, Harris. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, it's rough. It's rough. But she's the point is she's been beaten into a form of submission where she is cooperating on some level, trying to give them something at this point. Cut to the kitchen of the Baclieri residence. Bobby's smiling. How was your day? It was good. I'm having a good day. He's he's the most jovial. We've seen him since Karen passed away. Mm-hmm. Janice for good or ill is behind it and got him on track. They talk about celebrating. We should celebrate. Let's go out. Vesuvio. Nah, it takes too long. The Kids like Chinese. Janice passed out from MSG once. Uh, so that's out. <laughs> Yeah, and uh, out comes Karen ZD. This is Janice's test. Is he over this, or is he just having a good day? Bobby's not ready to eat that yet. So this is now a symbol for Bobby's ability to move on now, this ZD. Is he going to eat it? When is he going to eat it? Yeah. And uh, Janice understands for the time being and puts it back in the
2: freezer. So she's made some headway, but not where she wants to be yet mm-hmm. exactly progress though
0: for her terrible <laughs> progress for bobby <laughs> <laughs> tony and ralph in aids aids office she comes in oh just a minute hun. has to leave her own office can't can't manage her own club tony and ralph doing good business here they're resolving something they don't get along they're not super friendly but they make money together. Tony and Ralph, that's the constant. Whatever it is they're talking about, they figure it out amicably. They, they're they making money. That's, that's Ralph's thing. That's why he's still around. Mm-hmm. Then they have this chat. How's our girl? Our girl. She got a hot tendon. Ralph's complaining about the vet bill. It's always something, quote unquote. Tony suggests titanium shoes. So this is interesting. Tony after having that scene with the awkward payout, which I didn't actually mention when we were in the scene, but where he just holds his hand out now the second time expecting money. Yeah. And so couple that with now Tony's language. Oh, our horse, how's our girl. Right. More, more shifting of ownership and, and, and property here.
2: Ralphie clearly resents this Yeah. too. So it's a good transition into the next scene when Ralphie pawns it off on him. Yes,
0: Exactly. He's at home with some girl getting served a meal in bed and this poor girl, whoever she is, <laughs> no clue, what yeah. she, no clue what she's doing. Get out gonna... lady. Get yes. out. <laughs> very, evo- <laughs> very evocative to me of Ralphie watching the gladiator movie, having Tracy get him a fresca just being served. And right. you know, he's, he's nice enough on a moment to moment basis, but get out lady.
2: <laughs> the uh, maid calls. This isn't an accident. Sorry, this isn't an accident. Uh, what Jordan said earlier Tony betting on the wrong horse. There are these troubles in his marriage. It cuts from this scene to when Tony gets the call, and he and Carmella are quite chilly uh, with one another. Um, they're not, he's trying to get her attention with this Churchill thing. She doesn't want to hear it. They're divided, uh, whereas Ralphie is getting this luxurious serving in bed from his scantily clad girlfriend. Mm. Um, it's deliberate.
0: The horse is sick. The vet bill hasn't been paid, so the vet isn't going to treat the horse until he gets some money. Ralphie laments, "No compassion for the fucking animal." It's <laughs> curious, and rather than get up and take care of this, he does the passive-aggressive thing. Oh, it's our horse now, right? It's our horse. Tell him, tell him to call, tell tell him to call this number, and yeah. gives him and cut to Tony's house they're yeah as paul said chili is one word to describe this certainly they're not talking carmela's still giving him the silent treatment she goes into the bathroom doesn't shut the door puts on the hair dryer while he's watching a movie carmela can you please shut the door carmela can you please shut the door <laughs> <laughs> i think she has to hear him at that point and just still doesn't shut it they're they're needling each other here this is just not things are just not good at home. This is not a good period for them right now. Right. The call comes in. I I laughed a little bit when the call came in, even though I'm, we're obviously, this is sad that Pio Mai is having an issue and is sick, but I had to laugh because just how random is this? Some crying maid calls you. The horse is sick. The, what, what, what the fuck are you talking about? And Tony has to take a second to figure out who this is. The horse is sick. The Pio Mai. Tony, of course, is more compassionate to animals than Ralphie and actually cares on some level. So he gets up and starts getting dressed. Carm finds out now about the horse, which is not good, given everything that's going on. She wanted the stock. She wanted more financial transparency and security from Tony. And he's given all this, oh, we don't have it on hand, etc. cetera. You bought a racehorse? I love the line she gives here. What, it followed you home? <laughs> Very funny, but the horse is sick. He's got to go take care of it. Uh, this, this sucks. It's not going well for Tony and Carmelo. They're at a, a, a particular low point here. Uh, this is not good. And Tony has to do something about the horse, but the secret's out. This scene with Adriana doing heroin is just so sad. So sad. I feel terrible for her. It's so well acted. She's soaking wet from the rain. Just rain, her whole parade has been rained on this entire episode, and she's just broken here and has to give in.
1: Right. Yeah. And coincides, I think, with um the statement that the, the vet has given the horse something for the pain. Yeah. Right. And Adriana, of course, is shooting up heroin for her own kind of pain. So there's a, a like a clear parallel being made there.
0: Mm-hmm. Tony shows up at the stable, he's a little pissed at the vet. You better hope she's all right. Love the idea of threatening a vet over the health of an animal. (laughs) Just doctors can't guarantee that. But Tony is, he cares about the horse, man. He goes in and sits there. It's a beautiful tableau in such a bleak and sad episode. He's comforting the horse. He pets her. It's just me, girl. Relax, you know, petting her, being sweet. The goat comes in, this vicious goat that Tony (laughs) was warned about. The goat checking in on its friend, the horse. I love this sweet little it's like out of an old movie and then cue the song from the old movie rifle pony and me sung by dean martin and we 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 cut to black any final thoughts on this last sequence how this episode wraps up all of these various threads and final thoughts on the episode Pi oh my
1: uh you know uh I, I so appreciate this ending tableau. It kind of makes me sort of think about Tony's relationships with animals in general. Um, he has a gentleness with them that he can't seem to find for most people. Um, I wonder if it brings him back to a state of peace or back to a, a part of his childhood. Uh, I guess I'm not really sure or maybe I don't know enough yet. Um, but uh, Paul has mentioned, I think two or three times this episode that this is this is his safe haven from like the world around him being in such a uh, in such upheaval um and it seems like uh, tony seeks out you know he has these relationships with these young women particularly that like need help uh there's you know gloria there's um irena before that you know he he wants to be able to take care of these people and i i, I think with irena in particular i, I don't know there's a uh, some complicated things brewing in my head that I think more I need to see more episodes to really articulate. But, like, he wants to take care of someone in the way that he gets to take care of this horse in this moment. Like, this is something simple that he understands and brings him comfort as well. Also important to note that the goat might not have had a great reaction to Ralph, but the goat doesn't seem bothered by tony's presence at all in fact the, all the creatures and tony can exist in this space totally peacefully because the goat recognizes that tony is at peace here and is bringing peace to the discomforted pyomai i don't know there's a lot to take in there i i think i'll have a thesis for you by the end of the season for now i'm just trying to figure out what's going on there
2: mm. so one of my favorite plays is equus by peter schaefer and mm. he asked the question in that play of what uses grief to a horse and It brings up how a horse, like other animals, is a symbol. The ducks were symbolic. Um, A couple episodes ago, we talked about how the use of Christopher Columbus at this point in history is really more symbolic. And what you can do with a symbol is project what you want onto it. The horse isn't going to complain because it's a horse. And... So I think that's part of the Haven, how they, and they're taking shelter from the storm together. And the storm is what's out there in the world, society, the pressures that are too much for people, particularly Adriana, uh, who buckles under it in the sequence before. And yeah, I think it's, it's powerful. It's interesting. It's, it's still bleak in a certain way, but it's fascinating to see Tony smile at the end, this innocent smile that, I have not seen him this simply happy since he was in the pool in the pilot with the ducks. Mm -hmm. And I don't think it's a coincidence. There'll be more to say on it. Like Jordan said, as we move forward, because this is going to be threaded throughout the season, but uh, a bleak episode uh, brilliantly rendered uh, like, I think Chris, you're quite right. Telltale Mozzarella. There's a lot of setup here, but it is intriguing. And I, I do love this image that it's brought to at the end.
0: Well said. And I agree with everything you guys said and more. I I think that the fact that Tony has so much trouble dealing with the women in his life who are way more, more complicated than farm animals. That's even though they're both essentially treated as livestock to some degree in this world, this microcosm that the Sopranos, the family, the the this there's a sense of ownership over the women, right? That we've talked about before in the episodes, particularly university. That was a big idea is how, where the line is between human being and property when it comes to women in this, in this universe. So it's sweet in a way, this ending, because yes, Tony himself is very at peace and relaxed here. Who does he constantly look up to? Who does he talk about all the time? Gary Cooper, the strong, silent type, the cowboy, the old Westerns, the guy who just did what he had to do. Tony is able to be a provider and a protector and make this horse and this goat feel safe in this barn amidst this terrible storm. That's not a feeling he is able to provide his his wife right now, the feeling of security and love and comfort. And that's the storm that awaits outside but for this this moment in this ending tony has found where he can be his gary cooper and that's why he's so at peace but unfortunately gary cooper ain't gonna being gary cooper for this for this quote-unquote wrong horse is not going to get the the trust signed and make things right back at home so yeah what an episode i uh it's a, it's an unsettling, unpleasant, unhappy season. We're five episodes in. I can see why this might be off-putting as a season already for some. And who knows where it's going? Which, yeah. right, there's, there's a lot coming. But it's not – I don't want to say it's not watchable. It is. It's just – Oh, it's, it's, it's very it's, watchable. It's, it's still a great show. This is not a complaint. This is not saying the show took a dip in quality. That's not what I'm saying. It's a brilliant season. It's beautiful so far it's just mm. it's it's it i would feel i would have a harder time marathon watching season four than i would the others so far
1: right um yeah i don't want to get into a big idea this late in the episode and and this is a conversation better served for later in the season i imagine um but i I think part of the darkness that is here and i've i've heard you talk about this is that um we're while the show still has this philosophy of exploring existential themes, um, the toxic sludge that we're starting to take on in season four is nihilism, right? Um, and and dark ruminations about that subject in particular. And this episode uh, is undeniably that. I don't know that if that's forever. And I don't know season four that well to mm. be able to make any further comment. But yeah, it's it's becoming a harder show to watch not any less rewarding, but more emotionally demanding.
0: Agreed. Well said. And with that, that's pie. Oh my, we are moving up quickly through this season. It's blowing fast. I know these always go by fast, but I feel like this one even more so than usual uh, everybody hurts is the next episode. That is a personal favorite of mine one i always look for i know i say that a lot so what the fuck does it mean i always say yeah the next one that's one of my favorites because they're all one of my favorites but (laughs) there is a story thread in everybody hurts that makes me smile even just thinking about it and i can't wait to cover it with you guys great episodes coming up next couple man oof all right and with that said i'm chris D'Amato.
2: i'm paul mancini
0: and i'm jordan hughes And uh, I'm going to shut the door on this episode, everybody. Thank you so much. (laughs)